Hey, 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 you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. This is John Goldman. We're available through Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Also available through a podcast on Apple or um, Podbean. Just type in Johnny Secret Stash, no H and Johnny. Uh, we have a special guest tonight, and it's Dan Beaver. Dan Beaver is a local musician from Michigan City, also a, an actor, a very good actor. Saw him a couple months ago in a play in Michigan City. He's primarily a harmonica player, but uh, also a producer, produced all his own albums. And looking forward to sitting down and getting an opportunity to talk with him today. I want to play you one from his very latest album. And the song is called Rusty Cage. Here we go. You wired me awake and hit me with a hand of broken nails. You tied my lead and pulled my chain to watch my blood begin to boil. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my eyes, I'm gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my eyes, I'm gonna break my rusty cage and run. Too cold to start a fire, I'm burning diesel, burning dinosaur Take the river down to Stillwater and ride a pack of dogs. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, I'm gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, I'm gonna break my rusty cage.
check, 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 check. All right, I'm in the studio with Dan Beaver. Dan is a musician from Michigan City, also an actor, and uh, he's got a bunch of um, CDs on his own. He's also got some with uh, a full band called the uh, uh, Dan Dan Beaver and his damn and his damn blues band. That's right. All right, yeah. Well, Dan, welcome. I you know you and I know each other from uh, your. You also work uh, a side gig, and I get to see you there all the time. You're at Timothy's behind the bar, and one of the best bartenders I know. That's right. That's the, right. Pouring the deep drinks. <laughs> yeah. But it's really great having you in the studio. And Thanks, Thanks I, for inviting uh, me. I've been listening to your songs for a long time already. Just uh, you'd give me a CD a while ago. Um, but uh, never, after you know, kind of exploring your history, I never even knew that all that stuff was happening. So... You were uh, a regular, you were in John Primer's band, who, uh, you know, has his own um, uh, blues roots with uh, all kinds of musicians, but you've also met a bunch of uh, yeah. different musicians and played with different musicians in the blues scene for, for the, over the years. You almost remind me of, like, the harmonica Mike Bloomfield. Uh, you know, Mike Bloomfield was... Uh, um, oh, he played with everybody. Guitar player, yeah. Paul, and this Paul was, Butterfield's band. Yeah, he ended up playing with Paul yeah. Butterfield's band. But back in the 50s and 60s, he was doing the same kind of thing, going to these, you know, Southside blues clubs and um, kind of the only white guy out there and, I did, I, you know, getting I, the respect. And I did the and, same thing. Yeah, yeah. So let's I, – I don't even know where to start with this. Well, uh, so – uh, harmonica has been your instrument from the get-go, right? Like you, um, uh, according to your website, you picked it up. Your dad had one. Yes. You uh, borrowed it without his permission. And, uh, yep. you know, that probably made it even more magical that you kind of like did it on the sly. Yeah. Uh, how did you, how'd you uh, even get started with that? Was well, he I, a harmonica player? Or uh, well, he was, he was an MP in the Air Force. And, you know, he, I think he worked the graveyard shift. So, you know, I, Every guy had something to do to keep themselves up. So I think he bought a couple to keep himself up, to, you know, to watch the airplanes and stuff. I think that's a story. Um, and, I, and you know, it, back in the 60s, he had a, a band he did, a bunch of guys from high school, the, uh, I think the Outsiders, and he played bass and guitar. So he, there was, there, that was his musical influence. You know, he played music back in the day. But I don't think he played harmonica back then. I think he waited till. Um, uh, when he got in the Air Force. Uh-huh. What was his instrument, do you know? Uh, uh, guitar and bass. Oh, all right. Wow. And I didn't touch those. They were, <laughs> they were locked up. Yeah. <laughs> but I, like I said, I didn't. I uh, put the harmonica down for uh, almost a decade and a half, and then 1990. Well, when was it you first you know, borrowed your dad's um, harmonica? How uh, old were you, remember? God, I don't remember. Just a kid, though? Yeah, just yeah. going through stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right through his drawers. Yeah, uh, it's like sure. well, this looks pretty interesting. Yeah, but I, I, like I said, I picked up. Let's see, I bought my first harmonica right out of high school. I, I'm an asthmatic, so my parents would take me every summer to see the doctor on uh, Lincoln Way, Lincoln Ave. Um, oh, in used Chicago. To, there used to be a uh -huh. place called Uncle Dan's Military Surplus. Oh yeah, stuff. that's right. They've... And right across the street, um, 
there was a music store next to the, my asthmatic doctor, yeah. asthma doctor, and um, just went in there and bought one. Well, that, how ironic because, you know, harmonica is all about your breath and here yeah. you're, you know, having trouble and going to the asthma doctor. <laughs> That's and right. And you became this uh, harmonica player. But it was that when, at the time you got your own harmonica, had you already kind of developed your own ability to play or well, you just picked I, it up? I just even... picked it up. Like I said, I was a, a big Bruce Willis fan in the 80s. Uh, Moonlighting was the number oh, one yeah. show on TV. And Bruce played um, harmonica on the show with along with his Seagram wine cooler commercials. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. He was the ultimate in cool. And back plus, then. I back then I was also... You know, thinking about acting and this and that and I, I was a big fan of his and um so it was one of the influences of me picking it up uh probably about three years after that that's when i decided to get serious about the instrument and started to go to chicago and uh see the legends on the harmonica and that's when uh i started to develop a real uh, interest in that yeah kind of thing. it was pretty interesting uh did you ever take lessons or i uh, took get any guidance Later in my career, I think maybe my second year playing with Primer, uh, I sat down with a pretty uh, famous harmonica player, Matthew Sculler, and he, uh, he he sat me down for a few times. Yeah. Basically told me some stuff that I was doing wrong and uh, this and that. So I appreciate him, you know, uh, giving uh, yeah. me some time. When did you first step up and get to play with other people? Um, probably my first. There was a coffee house shop in Laporte, Indiana, called the Frat House, and they were known for uh, um, live music on, I believe it was Tuesday nights. So I went in there, and the first person I ever played with was um, John Dorado, which I think you've heard his name in the area before. He's a local acoustic player. And then Jeff Sarver was the second uh, musician I sat in with. Both extremely different uh, uh, styles of music. Yeah. So when they when they had to come up and play with them, had you already felt, you know, like you were pretty comfortable playing? I had no idea. You just started. Yeah. All right. I had no idea. So I mean, I've. Uh, so you know, I started doing that, and I guess it went well. Um, <laughs> I probably had no idea what I was doing yeah. back then. I used to uh, uh, record on cassette tape. Uh -huh. my performance so i can listen back and uh and so I, I i don't think i have any recordings of that well like up to that point were you just at home just just blowing mess, in messing around with the just, harp and yeah, just the messing around with it and um buying different types of harmonicas well you need one for each key right like yeah you I can't, didn't, yeah i didn't really <laughs> know that at the time but uh by the time i, I did get out um uh, at least the seven keys because there's 12 uh, that's when I started sitting in. Uh -huh. And then uh, my first blues band that I ever played with, which I'm sure you've heard the name, is the Elwood Splinters Blues Band. Oh, yeah. So I think the first time I sat in with them was back in, I'm not going to tell you the year, but uh, um, Elwood Splinters was playing. They were opening up for Pine Top Perkins. Pine Top who, Perkins, who right. He spent some Water. time in Laporte, right? Yeah. And um, he's on that uh, uh, live album that uh, Johnny Winter produced for him. Yep, um, he's played with everybody, and uh, he they opened up for uh, the Splinters opened up for him at a uh, bar in South Bend, a, a pretty famous uh, blues bar, uh, Midway Tavern, maybe. No, it's yeah. a, another one. Uh, it's been closed for years uh, now. 
Um, so I got in there and I, I, I did a, a couple songs. So that was my first blues band. Yeah, cool. And then uh, I started meeting different bands. And um, Catman, the All Nighters, was uh, my second band I played with. And uh, Catman was uh, a harmonica player and the lead singer and vocalist and um, harmonica player. And uh, so he uh, showed me a few things too. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you, you know, you didn't, t you hadn't taken any lessons. You were just sort of self-taught and you just got brave enough to get up on stage with some of these guys. You know, what do you think compelled them to allow you to come up on stage? Like, you know, you must have had some real confidence to, to. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, maybe at the time, maybe it was. You know, one of my girlfriends I was with, you know, they were like, yeah, well, let's get them up. Because, you know, because a lot of uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time, she uh, she knew a lot of the bands. So oh, that was kind of my end, yeah. too. So I, I shouldn't forget that. It wasn't <laughs> all me at the beginning. Um, but later on, once I started going to these blues clubs, you know, I uh, was, you know, this is after I wasn't dating anymore. You know, I decided, well, I'm going to have to go on my own. So I had to go pretty, uh, some really... Uh, sketchy areas yeah yeah sure. <clears throat> so i had a couple buddies that used to go with me as long as i uh pay for their drinks my, <laughs> right. my friend monty became Faith much to... more expensive for you to <laughs> yeah. to play for free than uh but at least i had somebody with me and uh yeah. monty Faith was one of the guys that used to go with me and um and you know once he starts drinking he, he'll talk to anybody <laughs> i mean we're in this one bar called i believe it was called artists and that was all african-american and um you know i once you know M monty was talking to him they called me up for a couple yeah sometimes i was up there for one song and sometimes two songs you know yeah right, right. so he was he was a big help back in the day to give me confidence to walk in these clubs yeah and then uh you know i had other musicians that uh let me uh tag along to meet other musicians early days in chicago um so and then um yeah, so I just started playing. Well, what kind of music did you listen to growing up? Were you listening to the blues back then before uh, you even started playing harmonica? Or I mean, like I, the harmonica playing developed I, into a blues, blues interest? I, you know, at the time I was listening to my dad's vinyl records and stuff like that. And at the time I didn't know, like, one of the, my favorite bands is The Doors. Oh, But I didn't too. realize a lot wow. of the stuff that they were doing was based off of old blues right. tunes and they just added a spin to it i thought that was yeah. interesting like the led zeppelin album uh yeah. their first one i think was all willie dixon songs uh -huh. <laughs> you know at the time i didn't realize that i was listening to blue style yeah you know it wasn't until probably i started uh, getting into chicago you uh -huh. know actually meeting and playing with some of these legends that i got to understand the education of where this music uh, yeah where the uh, where it originally came from yeah, how it developed into rock and then pop. Right, so it was pretty interesting. Yeah, like the Who, the Rolling Stones, oh, yeah. the Beatles. I mean, they all were doing. Uh, they had a lot of heavily influenced. For sure. So that was pretty cool. How, yeah, and Rolling Stones. Yeah. I mean, they took their name from that Muddy Waters song. Yep. And actually, those the the uh, back in those days, those bands were the ones that was carrying the blues artists. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times the the blues was was a dying. Mute was dying music exactly and rock and roll resurrected the blues around that time and it's cool that some the of these 60s, artists had some 60s. of these old blues guys open up for them uh-huh yeah you know, so, so which is cool yeah there's you know some old video of uh 
of Rolling Stones just walking into, um, I think it was the Checkerboard yeah, Lounge. It was at Checkerboard. The time, and they ended up playing with Muddy Waters. Yeah, I and, have that DVD. Yeah, isn't that I, great. Uh, my, my old boss, John Primer, was in, in that video. And he played rhythm guitar, and he was he played the whole time. Yeah. Well, if you notice the video, everybody's like leaving the stage, and new people were surrounding right. Muddy and uh, Mick Jagger, and uh, John was in, played in the entire video. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. We're uh, I was somewhere in um, Amsterdam, and we jumped in a cab to get to the the venue that we were going to be performing at, and this guy had a uh, DVD player in his cab. And that was the video that John, that that uh, that he was playing was from the checkerboard. You're kidding! Coincidentally, the cab driver—that's amazing. So the bass player Mike Morrison, he said to John, "Hey John, isn't that you in that video?" And <laughs> and John thought, "Yeah, that's me," you know. And so once the cab driver figured it out, that's John yeah. in, in his vehicle. He was just a, it was just a good time. I mean, it was a good moment for that guy. That's, that's but that so was cool. that was pretty cool. And then John gave him a bunch of CDs nice. and a free cab ride. <laughs> so well, was, so how did you evolve from you know going to these clubs with this girlfriend and then your buddies and getting up on stage and getting an opportunity to just you know jam a little bit on a song or two to then being in John Primer's band? You know, where did that all come from? Um, well. It's funny. An ex-girlfriend got me in that band. Um, at the time, I was playing with uh, Jesse uh, Scutchfield, who, uh, who who's with the band Junior Deniters. We did we decided to do a a, a, a trio called Jesse and a Beaver. So it was myself, uh, Jesse, and and Josh, the three of us, two guitars and harmonica. We started playing out, and we had a gig at the Gin Mill uh, for almost about ten years. We played in Lincoln Park. And uh, so we did everything from blues, mostly pop rock, whatever was uh, popular at the time. Uh-huh. And at that time, that's when I got the uh, uh, the gig with John Primer back in 2000. How that happened? They, he reached out to you? He, uh, the, he like, the discovered girlfriend. you? Well, at the uh-huh. time, uh, I replaced Steve Bell, which is, uh, he played harmonica, and yeah. his dad is Carrie Bell, and it's a very famous blues family. And... Uh, Steve was going through some issues, and I, I, I believe he really didn't want to play anymore. So that was my ticket in the band. So I didn't have to audition or anything. Right, so they were just like, well, we need a harmonica player, and hey, I know this guy, and then that was you. Yeah, and, and I think they liked the fact that, you know, that I didn't do drugs or drank. or uh, I, I, Basically, the main thing was um, me just showing up every day to the gig, and I had my own car, my own gear. Yeah, yeah. You know, not to uh, disrespect anybody else in the, in the band, but... Um, so I, I was there every week. Uh-huh. So that lasted about 10 years. So I was very lucky and blessed. So when did all that start? How old were you at that time? Oh, God, I don't remember. This is back in 2000, 2000 2001, I think. Oh, okay. So about a 10-year ten, ten span, I got to play over the world, over the United States, and all the cool blues clubs. Oh, man. Uh, and I played my first gig with the band, I believe, was uh, at the checkerboard before uh-huh. they closed. So yeah, that's pretty wild. So uh, I was very green at the beginning. Yeah, so yeah, I, you probably got used so to it after a while. It was cool that John gave me um, you know, that opportunity. Yeah, uh, and did you? You know, I'm, I'm sure that your skills improved over that time, and you know, you became more and more comfortable playing harmonica. And uh, did you, you know, start getting a little bit more solo time? Did you start? Well, yeah, I had a lot of solo time, probably more than I wanted. But because we were just a four-piece band at the yeah. time, so I had to play a lot, and um, 
so yeah, my lips were hurting. <laughs> I never played that much before in my life. You know, at that time I play a couple songs and that's it. Yeah. You know, and, um, so. You know how like guitar players get calluses on their fingers, right. but my lips or your your tongue? Don't you use? Uh, well, at the time I didn't I didn't uh, use my tongue at all oh. at the beginning. That's something that that was a um, a skill that I developed oh, later on. Okay. The tongue blocking is what the harmonica players uh-huh. call it. So I lip pierced everything, and that just irritated. Oh yeah. I mean, if if you saw me back in the day, I think there might be pictures. I have these red lips. <laughs> I mean, I tried everything, you know. Yeah. Well, right. You couldn't. You didn't take enough break time in between shows, probably. Because yeah, sometimes we would play for two hours straight. Yeah. You know. Right. And, uh, so, so I, uh, I I learned on the fly real quick. You know. Um, Did you ever pick up any other instruments over the years? No, harmonica was. Uh, I mean, I can. I kind of. I do like the uh, the saxophone and the piano. Yeah. But you know. Um, do you do you read music? No, I listen. Uh huh. You just are able to play by ear. Yeah, I didn't do well in uh, high school with reading music. Did you take uh, music classes no. in high school, or I didn't take anything? In yeah, high school. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, some like grammar schools they require you to take. Well, we, you we know, did, be in band and learn a I had the trumpet. Op- I had an option to take music or um, car class or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. You like, know, uh, you know, just I didn't. Didn't really care. It wasn't uh, of interest at that point, probably. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I'd like to play one of your songs right now um, and do sort of an intro thing. You're listening to Johnny Secret Stash, and I'm here with Dan Beaver from Michigan City, harmonica player. Uh, we are on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Um, Johnny's Secret Stash is also available as a podcast through uh, the Apple app and uh, Podbean. Um, so, Dan, let's uh, let's play another one of your songs. Um, what? Uh, any any particular song you want to have me play here? Or uh, you got uh, maybe play more off the new CD. Uh, have you played Death Row yet? That's the yeah. Let's do that. That's uh, queued up right here. In fact, all right. Good choice. Here we go. Death Row, and this is off of No Regrets, the unedited edition. Thank you. 
right. That's uh, Death Row off of Dan Beaver's most recent album. It's basically a two-song EP, but each song is like 10 minutes long. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, and w- you, that came out just recently? Is that yeah. right? When, uh, when last did you year. release that? Um, probably, God, that's almost... I had a CD release party at Knuckleheads in Michigan City. Um, not even... Maybe a, almost two years ago now, or a year and a half ago, I think. So this is off of that No Regrets, the unedited edition. You hear those uh, chains in that background? Yeah, there? yeah. That's, 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 my, that's my dad. All right. He all also right. did spoons on the rusty cage. That was probably one of the reasons why I wanted to record this EP, to show my dad what it's like to, to make a record. Yeah. So and, I got... Was, and this wasn't even your first record that you made, right? It's my seventh one. Seventh, man. So, you know... Aside from being a harmonica player, you're a record producer. Have you That's produced right. for anybody else? Um, no, just so, basically done my own stuff. And and what what goes into it? You know, I mean, uh, I know that you're sort of directing everything in the studio and all that, but there's far more to it, especially when you're playing other people's songs. You know, there's uh, royalty issues and yeah, stuff like gotta, that. Yeah, you got to deal with all that stuff. You know, I'm not going to make a million dollars off, you know, my music. You know, I'm not a songwriter. I think I wrote maybe two songs in my life. But basically all my uh, music is uh, cover tunes and um, maybe s- songs that, I, th- that I've that i liked. Definitely making them your own, though. I mean, yeah, I've been that's listening I'd to your albums. Throw a little spit on it. You for know, sure. These previous songs that you, you uh, played, uh, they're a little bit different than the originals. Yeah. And that's the way I int- intended it to it. But, you know, it, there is a lot of stuff. It's a lot of work. You know, you got to you gotta book the time. You got to get the musicians. I like to think that all my uh, CDs, like, I try to get all the musicians uh, that, that kind of help me out through the years. Sure. So it's, I've pretty much got most of the musicians that, um, um, that help me out. Like the first CD I did was with, uh, at the time, uh, the rhythm section of the Lonnie Brooks band. Oh man! So Biscuit <laughs> was a Biscuit Miller. He's a bass player. Uh-huh. He uh, was a big influence on me. Uh, so he was able to help me uh, get get started on my first recording. Yeah. Um, so that that was pretty cool. And then uh, yeah, so basically, I, I all my CDs are basically just a, a jam session with all my friends. Right, so you're not, uh, you go into the recording studio, you usually use the same studio each time? Um, usually, uh, the previous CDs, I've used Twist Turner's uh, studio in Chicago. Uh-huh. And the last couple of CDs I've done, uh, uh, there's a studio in Cowles, Indiana, uh, Willow Tree Recording. And uh, I've been recording there. Uh, I'm pretty happy there. Yeah, oh, nice. Really good studio. And when you uh, bring in, these these friends so you're not you know hey well let's put down a you know a vocal track let's put down a harmonica track you guys just all sort of hang around and just jam together well a lot of times i might send copies of the music before we record uh, so everybody has an idea um and i've been lucky uh to get a few bands in there where they would um they would do the um this uh the they would we practice the song before we go into the studio. Yeah. So, like, um, the band Mysteria did that for a song called Hold On, and uh, it was funny when we got them in there. Uh, they, it took them almost two and a half hours of setup, you know, and that's like 50 bucks an hour, you know? <laughs> but I'll tell you what, 
when we were ready to record, they nailed it on the first track. Uh-huh. We just did the second one just for the hell of it, yeah. and that was cool. I've That's never, awesome. So that I yeah, that was awesome, you know. Um, but you know, a lot of times, the, the the musicians they know exactly what we're gonna do, and we, and we sometimes we might come up with something different, and yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, it's just, I, I just when I hear a song and I get motivated, I just picture who would be good for the this music. Right, right. So I, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. So we were talking about your playing with uh, John Primer before going all over the world and all that, and you know, of course, things have to end. And um, after that, is that when you started playing with, uh, you know, sort of your self-titled band? The uh, uh, I don't want to get this wrong. The, the Damn Blues Band. Yeah, just uh, nice playing words there. <laughs> Beaver Dam, Dan Beaver, and his damn blues. Yeah, oh man, you got one of those names. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I probably I started booking my own gigs, and that's a. Uh, Who'd you pull together for for your you know the band that you then did all these albums with? Did you, uh, the same people or was it just kind of usually different? Different a lot of musicians uh, that I knew from Chicago, some local ones. Uh-huh. Uh, um, Tom Holland, he used to play with John Primer back in the day and um he's actually a Grammy winner now he, he played with James Cotton Blues Band for years James so Cotton I, was he's somebody that you kinda, oh yeah looked James, up to and uh, I mean, you know he's, who he is, he's right? the man oh man oh yeah yeah uh, I saw him at uh, at Space in Evanston after he lost his I don't know yeah, he what, lost what, his voice Tom was probably playing rhythm cancer? guitar with with him at the oh, time oh okay so he um, was unbelievable yeah, he's you one know, of my big still, influences and I can imagine that have, being unable to talk, you know, I think he had vo- throat cancer or right. something. And so he was unable to talk, but, you know, he wasn't unable to play the harp, and yeah, he was affect- just blowing that thing. Oh, man. It, it, might, it might have made him, uh, I don't know if you could say that about James Cotton, but maybe a better harmonica player. Yeah, yeah, right, because you know? he had to, you know, that was his avenue for expressing himself. Yeah, and, um, yeah, he's... A big influence on my plan too. That man can do a lot with rhythm. You know, a lot of oh, people yeah. stress on soloing all night, but I would love to just play rhythm all night. To me, that's you know, that's where the music's at. Anybody right. can just blow a bunch of notes. But yeah, Cotton was a pretty good influence. Um, so yeah, who yeah, else I, were some of your uh, harmonic influences? Um, like I said, when I first came to the scene. I tried to see as many legendary harmonica players that I that that I could see locally that's still alive, and uh, the very first one was Junior Wells. Oh yeah. And uh, I went to a place called uh, Mama Roses. Uh, oh yeah, on Armitage uh, and Kimball. Mama Roses on Armitage and Kimball. Wow. Okay. Not Roses. Uh, Lounge. Roses Lounge. That's oh. Okay. The, yeah. And uh, that was my first uh, blues bar, and. So I got to my friend Monty and myself. We we went there a few times, and uh, we, Junior Wells was playing one night, and I got a chance to to meet him. And I don't remember if I actually sat in that night and played, but um, Junior was really nice. Um, I remember he kept buying us drinks, and at the at the time, I, like I said, Monty would just go with me for the drinks. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so uh, Monty was. Uh, Junior, you know, uh, bought me the, well, I, you know, a bottle of water, and Monty was drinking Coors Light, and uh, so we talked for Junior for a little bit, and uh, Junior would walk away, talk to another fan. Monty would drink his Coors Light; he would be done in like two minutes. <laughs> Junior would come back, and uh, 
talk to me some more. Uh, we took some pictures, I, I think. We took a picture of, uh, uh, it was the three of us, uh, uh, Mama Rosa, which is uh, the, the, one yeah, of the owners. Yeah, right, right, right. And myself with uh, Junior Wells. And that, that picture still is uh, behind the register at Rosa's Lounge, I believe, You're the three kidding. of us. Wow. So then uh, Monty, uh, uh, Junior bought us another uh, round, and uh, Monty drank that. So this would happen maybe four course lights in. And at the time, uh, I remember Tony told us, you know, just buy your own drink, you know. <laughs> uh, but Junior was really nice. Uh, and then um, probably the one of my biggest influences, probably uh, uh, Sugar Blue played every Wednesday. And uh, he, he was, his claim to fame was he played on the Rolling Stones albums. Uh, one of them, uh, he won a Grammy uh, with the Rolling Stones called Some Girls. Oh, sure. And his famous riff is off the the, uh, the Miss You song. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can picture that. So I, he was a pretty uh, big influence. I just liked his range of playing anything. He could play anything from blues, jazz, the rock and roll. And at the time, that interests me. Like, you, I, you know, you should be able to play everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just remember harmonica he, doesn't really appear in too many other genres other than rock and blues. Right. Uh, but m- when you think of harmonica, other than Stevie Wonder, it's just or uh, Bob Dylan or Neil Young. It's basically blues. Yeah, I guess folk then. So yeah, and I remember I was trying to I, at the time I was trying to get a picture with everybody, and Sugar Blue was the only musician that said, you know, I'm not going to get a I'm not going to take a picture with you until you earn it. <laughs> uh-huh. And at that time, I'm like, it hurt. Yeah, I yeah, mean, right. This yeah, is hey, like I'm, one of my idols, right? But that pra- it made me uh, practice harder, I think. Oh, all right, and cool. probably, probably eight years ago, he he played at a, a bar in uh, um, Hammond, Indiana, Griffith, I think, called Beer Geeks, and Sugar Blue uh, showed up with his band, and uh, I I actually got my picture with him. Yeah, all right, it's on there the we- my website. That's excellent. So it, you know. But I, yeah. I got to meet other, like Billy Branch, uh, another one of my favorite guys, um, Carrie Bell. Um, uh, we mentioned before. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I got to meet a lot of cool uh, musicians. Yeah. You know. And you got a gig coming up uh, in about a month and a half, February 22nd, did you say? Yeah. Uh, That's at Buddy Guys Legends? Yeah. I haven't, it's That's been, a real deal. It's been probably, uh, God, I don't remember the last gig I uh played there it was probably with john primer <clears throat> so a local artist i sat in with uh uh recently uh, i mean i see a lot of people there uh this guy's he's got a band called generation uh gat blues band and uh, they play in the area and we're going to be opening up for uh guess who john primer oh man how about so that's, that that was pretty ironic yeah to, it just swings back around but uh yeah D- Derek caruso was a really good uh, guitar player and um so he invited me to join him on stage so i'm really excited it's been a long time since i played at buddy guys that's gonna be great and i'm excited to open up for uh to see john primer. yeah yeah so that's gonna be a really fun night that sounds great really fun and I know, you know, I saw you in a play a couple months ago. Uh, so you got your acting thing is coming along too. Yeah, I kind of uh, kind of put uh, the music uh, on hold for a little bit to f- focus on my acting. I've been doing these acting classes for f- five years now. I'm, uh, I've been doing this professionally almost three. I got an agent now in Chicago, and uh, yeah, and I finally uh, was invited to to participate in this play. Yeah, right. No audition, just we want you. 
that that had to feel good. My buddy uh, Daniel Meyer uh, knew the director, and originally it was supposed to go. Uh, they wanted Dan for the part, but Dan at the time wasn't sure he was going to be in town. Uh-huh. So he mentioned my name, and uh, uh, I didn't realize at the time I was second lead. But at the you know, uh, right, in the play, so like in the play, right. and I. Uh, so this is I, I don't remember the name of the play Spinning in a Butter Spinning in a Butter and it's uh, based off of a, a true story true story but also a relatively well known um, uh, play yes right it's been it's played other places and uh, it's um, about a, uh, um, a incident a racial incident yep. in a university and you're one of the professors and it's a small university and you and the uh, I think uh, the uh, dean Ver- Vermont yeah, uh, in Vermont. The deans, yeah. and and actually, I'm the is, I'm the art teacher. You're the art teacher, professor. Yeah, professor. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of interaction with you and uh, this new dean who you know just trying to go through this whole process of right. unfolding this thing and trying to figure it out and what to do about it and you know you got she, the she was from uh, uh, the place she's from Chicago. So uh, she wanted to leave and go to Vermont. Yeah, right. So. She's hoping to get something a little more relaxing, and it didn't work out that way. But it was extremely well done. You know, I, I guess I didn't know what to expect going to see the play. But uh, I didn't know what to great. expect. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, I think uh, people liked it. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun. What, four performances, though? Yeah. Um, but uh, any... Any opportunities for that to open up again or travel anywhere? Or uh, are they talking about something like some, that? Uh, there's some people uh, thinking that maybe I should do another play. And uh-huh. Well, sure. Yeah, you just, should definitely do another just play. Just slow down a little <laughs> bit because that was pretty, uh, it was pretty intense. takes a lot out of you. And, well, it was an intense play. It yeah. wasn't like, you know, just... Uh, you know, like a Disney movie kind of play. No, the subject matter. It was <laughs> pretty intense, yeah. Yeah, especially for uh, Michigan City area. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. But and that's the... Definitely had people... Ca- and then I remember they had sort of a talk afterwards yep. to uh, sort of pull yeah. it out of people and Yeah, if anybody had questions with the subject matter. And, yeah. And Tara just, you know, and uh, sometimes that kind of got pretty intense. Yeah. You know, uh, everybody's different views on... Uh, racism uh-huh. and stuff like that um yeah it was pretty cool and then uh, john records landecker was in the play he was and he was the uh he was actually he was the the, the older professor yes that was john landecker yeah. I, i'm sorry i didn't even recognize yeah. that so i got a chance to, oh man that must have been to perform fun. alongside yeah. with you know a yeah. legend that's right that's right he's been around a long time yeah. Wow, I didn't, you know, he kind of looked familiar. Now, I, I wouldn't have placed him there, though. I wouldn't have guessed that that's what, Yeah, that's you know, uh, Mr. Landecker. Was. So I, it was really cool to uh, to uh, be part of the play with him. Yeah. You know. And you've done some other acting movies and stuff yeah, and some commercials. some independent and stuff I've done. I've got an audition coming up next uh, sat- February 1st, that's Saturday, uh, to play a, uh, an audition for a... Uh, it's a, th- a thriller, um, so I might be a, a detective in this. All right. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. And I'm not a, a good cop. I'm a bad guy, so that's pretty good. That should uh-huh. be interesting. Yeah, it gives you a little more depth, makes it a little more yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I got probably. that coming up along with my uh, uh, classes I take in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Where are you taking classes? Uh, the acting studio in Chicago. A couple days a week, too, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, so it's... 
training. Always got to keep yeah, training. Right. Keep your. And are you still? Um, I mean, I know you're not playing out as much because you're just jam your nights. Or if I see somebody locally, uh-huh. I know, you know, which is cool. I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Someone gives you a call to come out to help them out or something yeah, like that. Because I tell you what, I don't miss playing till one, two o'clock in the morning. I mean, mm-hmm. that just yeah. that sucks. I rather it's kind of nice to get up at nine o'clock and just have your whole day. Yeah, right. You know, which is really nice. But like I said, I've been close to a few uh, auditions for some of the shows in uh chicago chicago pd and fire um i'm getting there yeah it's a process right well i guess the more auditions you go to the the more familiar they are with you yeah and, and, it, it, and i've got my foot in the door which is nice and yeah it, and the people that i've met uh really uh really nice you know and i'm sure that you know it's hard to get a a real jump start on a career staying in the midwest like this right you know I, right now i don't chicago, know where it is chicago is like the new la or new york now really okay i think along with the new tax break a lot of people want to come to chicago to to uh have their uh shows filmed yeah like empires filmed oh, in chicago right. and that's based uh, out of uh, new york yeah so that that helps out too so right now they're building more studios uh-huh. so they can get right now they're turning away shows because they don't have the room yeah yeah, I think the city provides uh, incentives and things yep. like that and uh, trying to get more of that stuff to yeah, happen. so, I mean, I'm going to see what happens. Yeah. Well, and I, I work in the loop, and I'm always seeing the, uh, you know, the big trucks, and they block off the streets, and yep. they put up the notices that they're going to be doing some filming and stuff like that. So, I mean, obviously it's not happening a lot during this winter season, but um, there, you know, well, there have been times when... They're filming still. Yeah. They're, they're filming, they're, you know. You know, they take their Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve breaks sure. like that, and I think they just started production a few weeks ago. You know, I haven't had an audition in a while, so. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's all starting back up again, yeah. I guess. Um, you have any uh, new albums that you're thinking about putting yeah. together or working with other people on that? Yeah, I got um, something else. I'm going to probably do another two-song EP, uh-huh. maybe three songs. I got to couple of things that i want to do my mom was complaining because the new cd i didn't do anything vocally on it so i'm like you gotta do some all right singing. mom i'm gonna yeah. let me uh i'll pick a song and i'll sing you know so right. um probably do something i got a couple songs uh local uh blues uh writer is gonna write me a song just for me so we're gonna probably start rehearsing on that probably next month oh that's great well so you've got um how many albums with um the full band, the uh, Dan Blues Band. Um, I, like I said, there's not a set band. You know, I've got different uh, musicians. The only, the one that's I've probably recorded the most with is Jesse Scutchfield, who's known for uh, the Jesse Lee Band that plays uh, at Timothy's during the week, and he plays uh, with Junior Igniters. Uh-huh. But Jesse's probably the only one that I probably play the most yeah. with. Yeah, and he's got a pretty distinctive voice. You oh, can yeah. hear him coming through in a lot of the, the albums he put together. Um, so he's he's helped out quite a bit uh, on the seven um, CDs I recorded. Yeah, but, <clears throat> uh, right, I see. The, so the Just Right one that came out just in 2017 or 2018, that's got Jesse yep. right on the cover he's yep. like primarily and then uh ain't no shame that's the one that you put together or released in 2016 is that right 2013 re-released in 2016 yeah. 
I decided if I'm going to maybe sit in with other bands, maybe have a, a, a compilation of some of the, my previous work that I've, I've sang on. Um, oh, gotcha. Uh-huh. One of my favorite ones on there is with uh, Johnny V, guitar player. Yeah, yeah. Georgia from, uh, on My Mind is probably my... He's like from Ogden Dunes or something, yep. Johnny V. Yeah. yeah it's probably one of my favorite songs that I've recorded. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. You could cue that one up if you want, but uh, that's a, one yeah. of my... I just remembered... Uh, and which one is that on? Uh, that, that should be on the Ain't No Shame, I think. Uh, All right, so that's part of the the full band... Yeah, that's, version. that's basically a compilation of my first three CDs with, like, three new songs on that one. And that's one of the new songs that I recorded. All right. Uh, but, yeah, I remember we went in the studio, and Johnny said his, he's got a cold. He really can't sing well, but he'll give it a try. And I tell you what, his voice was was perfect. I mean, yeah, cool. Um, you know what? We're coming up close to the end of the radio hour. So um, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm here with Dan Beaver. Your, uh, radio Harbor Country is uh, the, the, <laughs> the radio station. It's WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan, WRHZ. And Johnny's Secret Stash is underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics in New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. Really a pleasure getting to sit down and talk with you, Dan. Anytime. I'm gonna, uh, we're going to close out the radio hour and then start up the podcast time. I've got to do uh, a plug before you go off. Yeah, know. yeah. Let's get it in there. You guys in the area need to go to Timothy's Restaurant. Best food in the area. It, that's true. That's Tim does a good job. <laughs> Talk about that all the time. And uh, Anthony's my manager. He's the one that lets, allows me to have the freedom to take off for auditions and stuff. And don't forget to check out DanBeaverBlues.com. DanBeaverBlues.com. Yeah, check it out. And I got to say, you know, Timothy's has a great bar to sit at. I love sitting at the bar. You know, you guys are just such a, you know, you do such a great job back oh, there. Yeah. And always the heavy pours. That's always a pleasure. Shh. <laughs> All right, uh, here we go. Georgia on my mind. We are now in the podcast hour.
just an old sweet song. Gee, Georgia, on my mind. Oh, yes, it did. Georgia, mm-hmm. Georgia, the whole day through, just as sweet and clear, this moonlight through the pines. Another arms reach out to me. Another eyes, you know, they smile so tenderly. And peaceful dreams, Lord, that see all the roads. All the roads that lead back to you. Georgia. Georgia. I said no peace that I can find. Yeah. Just an old sweet song. Georgia on my mind. Oh, yes, it does. Out to me, another eyes smile so tenderly in peaceful dreams. Lord, I see all these roads that lead back to you. Georgia, 
Georgia I said no peace I said no peace No peace that I can find Just an old sweet song Keep Georgia on my mind Just an old sweet song George on my mind. All right, so uh, that was one take. That's unbelievable. Uh, that was pretty good. So you guys got to the recording studio, and just you and Jesse, and then he's on the guitar, you're on the harmonica, and yep. just pump that right out and yeah that's johnny v just oh that was johnny v yeah oh. i believe there was another guitar player i don't know if jesse was with us or josh horner um i don't remember but yeah that was just one take and i think they added a rhythm guitar player i think oh uh uh-huh. yeah just johnny v and he like i said he was unsure about his voice but i'll tell you what he ate oh me. yeah it sounds great uh and so you do a little singing yourself yes. Yeah. Uh, have you ever done any sing as part of any acting that you've done? Um, there was a play I did back in 2000 called uh, Blue Eye Blues. And this is prior to my uh, um, uh, stuff with John Primer. And this guy named Fernando Jones was famous for a play called I Was There When the Blues Was Red Hot. And uh, he basically wrote about how the, how the blues scene was before everything kind of disintegrated with the death of musicians and yeah i mean he was there in the 80s when the blues was just hot you yeah know? It came back around so he was working on a play called blue eye blues and basically he wanted to deal with uh reverse racism i don't know if that's even a word but he wanted to concentrate on three young white musicians going to the blues clubs in the west side and trying to fit in with african-american music and i met fernando at a place called um jim shoes at the time and we just started talking, and uh, he approached me about doing this play. And um, so I, I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, why not? And that was probably uh, the only time musically I did anything. I sang a little bit and played. You experienced that, you know. I don't know if you felt like you were mistreated because uh, well, I've, you were... I've had some um, uh, issues yeah. because of the color of my skin. Uh-huh. And we brought that up actually with the play I just did, Spinning the Butter. Yeah. You know, they were ta- talking about uh, how a lot of them experienced racism. And, you know, I voiced my opinion how I've experienced that overseas. Yeah. You know, I was, at the time, I was the only uh, white guy in the band three african-americans and myself so i experienced like this white boy can't play and this and that yeah so it took sure. me a while to um to fit in yeah so i i experienced stuff right. like that so this play was pretty cool um the reviews basically one review said the acting sucked <laughs> but the music is what <laughs> saved the play <laughs> uh, all right you know, you know everyone's but, got their opinion but yeah but that was probably the only time i musically I did something like that, and that was pretty cool cool stuff uh, where did yeah, that play where that was in michigan city it was in chicago that was west side 47th street hmm. <laughs> so that was near uh, martin luther king drive i believe and that was all uh-huh. urban dangerous you know uh-huh. uh, yeah 
area, and I think the checkerboard was maybe a few blocks away from there. Right now, they actually uh, tore everything down and built condos and yeah, supermarkets. So some of those areas don't even look anything like they ever did. And we did. It's hard to even find yeah. where you are sometimes if uh, you know And we did this play that had a stage. It was an old jo- uh, jazz uh, club back uh, back in the day called Mom, Mama, Mommy, Mom Jerry's Palm Tavern or something like that. There was a Bruce Willis movie that um, uh, they filmed a couple of scenes. You're uh, kidding. Wow. Uh, but, yeah. It all comes back around. He was one of your early right. um, yeah. and, examples. Yeah, uh, and that was pretty cool. And um, so we did the play there. And Jerry was uh, lived at the time she lived in the back of this establishment. That was her home. Wow. So they I don't know. remember if they kicked her out or they just gave her enough money to move. Um, so we did the play there, and it was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> that's wild. That was 20 years ago at this point. Yeah, basically. so it's not there anymore. But it was yeah. cool to walk in there and see all the old pictures of the jazz musicians that played there. Um, you know, we were talking about John Primer and you're you know touring with him for 10 years. After that, did you ever you know join a another big band like that or? No, I, at, you, like, that's when you started doing more of your own thing. It sounds like. Yeah, like, like I said. A lot of bands in Chicago, they don't carry harmonica players. They either carry a keyboard or another guitar player. So John was probably the only artist in Chicago that had a harmonica player. Really? Uh, uh-huh. Most bands, when they need musicians, they don't need a harmonica player. Yeah. They either need a keyboard or a rhythm guitarist. So, so were you, you know, we were talking about other harmonica players. Bob Dylan, you know, he's one of the early um guys that wore one of those yeah. those uh, support things and played guitar at the same time. And he wasn't playing a lot of blues songs, but, you know, he uh, was pretty early with um, harmonicas or pretty consistent with harmonica playing. Was that somebody that uh, you kind of look up to? Or is that not your kind of music? Just, uh, I don't consider him a harmonica player. I, I don't yeah. know. I just, uh, you know, he plays guitar and added that as an element right, to, you know, right. just uh he really is more of a or a, a songwriter like he's yeah. just an unbelievable songwriter right and i'm not taking that away from him i mean you know that's the first thing everybody always brings up is 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 him or neil young or Bruce yeah, springsteen right. just not my style of music i mean right. i respect that because a lot of the music that they play with that gadget while they're playing guitar they, a lot of they they play a lot in first position oh and that's uh-huh. not easy yeah, because you're doing everything separate, uh, opposite from playing cross harp when you play. Like if the ki- like if he's in a key of A, he'll grab his A harp and play that aspect. That's first position. So he's doing everything opposite to match up. Uh-huh. Um, I just uh, it, th- so I'm not taking anything away. That's pretty hard. It's to do. hard to do, but just not your style. Maybe. Right. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, Neil Young, um, Bruce Springsteen, guys like that. Um, yeah, just not my uh, cup of tea. Yeah. What about uh, um, G. Love, Garrett Dutton? He's, no, that's more my. Uh, yeah, he. Uh, I love everything that he does. That's 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 my growth as a musician. I started experiencing and listening to other music and harmonica players. Uh-huh. So that blues traveler John Popper. Oh right, John Popper. You know, I, uh-huh. I had a chance to meet him at. Um, at uh, really. Kingston Mines years ago. He 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 came in with Jeremy Piven and uh, you know so I, I really liked what. Um, uh, what John Popper did with the instrument, uh-huh. you know, he could play a little bit of blues, but he kind of just elevated it to a different. Right. Uh, he progressed with his music. Yeah. You know? And he, a lot of guys in Chicago hated him because. 
white guy playing harmonica. Uh-huh. It's not even blues. Yeah, yeah. But you got to have guys like that to pro- make the music progress, like the British did. Right, can, you know, right. The English guys. It is sort of sad that you know here's um, you know this group that's playing outstanding music and just not getting the foothold and not getting the foothold. And then guys like you know Johnny Winter come in with their guitar or or uh, you know like you mentioned uh, John Popper and just blowing up the scene. And that's what people are listening to. I I gotta say I'm I'm just a big old time blues fan too. I love to like reach back and you know Robert Johnson and yep. Holland Wolf and uh, you know all those guys and you know where where how they you know would even do some of the same song to just purely make it their own and um, you know, how it just developed over the years. Yeah, like if it wasn't for the, the English, or, you know, guys like that, uh, yeah. where would blues be now? That's like, right. They, they, their interest in it is what resurrected it, and their infusing it into their work is what you know right. got people sort of back into it. I think blues or um, the Beatles' first album wasn't it a lot of blues standards it's that they R&B did R and B kind of you know yeah maybe not so much I know straight the up Stones blues but they had it, they liked that stuff yeah you know uh, Willie Dixon um, yeah. was a big influence on Led Zeppelin right and well they stole a couple of his songs but Mike Morris ended up paying for it bass player I always called him my dad on the road because when I joined John Primer. He was my roomie. Uh-huh, yeah. So at the time, he was probably early 50s. So I got to uh, <laughs> uh, got to hear a lot of stories through him. And uh, he was playing with Willie Dixon at the time. And uh, his, he, I don't know, I think this is after Willie was deceased. But maybe his, Willie's wife didn't realize how much of a uh, effect that Willie Dixon had on the music world oh so, man you know, yeah uh, at that time willie dixon's uh people were suing led zeppelin because mm-hmm. they weren't they didn't pay any royalties to any of right willie's music yeah and uh and it was just funny how his wife willie dixon's wife didn't realize how big deal willie dixon was right you know, you know that kind of thing seems to be happening with like the next generation same thing similar kind of thing happened with the grateful dead where after jerry garcia died and and while everyone was around they didn't care about people recording the shows or just putting it up on the internet. And then when Jerry died, his family was like, Oh, hold on a minute. You know, you know, we got to support this next generation. Most blues musicians back then, how you paid them was a bottle of whiskey. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Buddy guy talks about that in his book. You know, he said, you know, don't give me the songwriting credits. I'm never going to see that money. Pay me now. And so, you know, he doesn't have those royalties coming in. Right, but um, now, but, look at him now. Yeah, well, it's, it, he he had figured out on himself. You know, he opened up the clubs, and then he started, you know, wasn't, making wasn't his own music. Wasn't it or uh, Eric Clapton that said he was one of the greatest guitarists? Probably, yeah. I mean, there was somebody that and, gave And Eric Clapton would know. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. another huge blues fan. I mean, you know, all those you know, Key to the Highway and all those uh, Derek and the Domino songs and Cream songs, right. you know. Uh, all those uh, blues songs that they took to the next step. Even John May- uh, Mayer, uh, I think he recor- recorded a, a blues album. Uh, um, it was a, a trio, I think. Oh, I think yeah? He did. And he used to, you know, I got to meet a lot of these these musicians when I used to play at Buddy's regularly. I, uh-huh. I think, what was it, a decade ago, uh, a decade ago they were doing uh, the Crossroads uh That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Eric Clapton's Crossroads. Yeah. They had it in uh, Toyota Park in 
uh, near the airport out there. Yep. Yeah. Two thousand seven, there was one. In two thousand ten, there was yeah. one. So a lot of that I was to a, see a lot blast. of musicians come through there at night. You yeah. Know, like the after oh, that's right. And stuff right. like that, which is cool. Um, but yeah, you're right. A lot of the, the, you know, you need people to progress musically. Yeah. I mean, where would country be if it wasn't for Billy Ray Cyrus and Garth Brooks in the early 2000s? Because they kind of changed country uh, into more of a rock feel. Kind of like that modern country sound. And yeah. look at it now. It's one of the number, It's still the number one uh, music in the world. Probably, I think. yeah. And I kind of like modern country, even though a lot of people dislike it. Yeah, that's right. There are a lot of people that dislike it. <laughs> I mean, Chris Stapleton, I mean, he's one of the... Uh, best singer songwriters musicians out there right now you know yeah. we wouldn't have a chris stapleton uh, if it wasn't for guys the pioneers of the new you know right right and everybody you know this is uh billy ray cyrus but he really did save country yeah him and garth brooks or at least brought it to a different level of making it like uh more um tolerable for the masses let's say right. you know he kind of like you know created that bigger scene with it um you know took it away from the Grand Ole Opry and kind of like, you know, or Willie Nelson and right. Hank Williams and all those old time, uh, it took it to a different level. Because I don't think we would reached have. reached out to like the 13 year old girls. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we would and have. And Dan Beaver. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but I, I just don't think country would be the where it's at now if it wasn't for the, you know, just like blues, you got the yeah. pioneers that changed it. Right, right. You know, just it's music is interesting. Well, think about, you know, there really wasn't any recorded music hundred and more than 100 years ago, 110 years ago, maybe? Yeah, I'm, I just watched something last night on uh, Robert... Uh, Robert Johnson? Uh, you know, oh, that I, Netflix movie? I don't know what I watched. It was uh, about him selling his soul. Yeah, that's the, Robert Johnson. That's his story. Uh, yeah, uh, he only recorded 29 songs. Like in two days. Yeah, and uh, so I, I, I watched a nice little uh, YouTube video of him. It yeah. was like maybe... Not even 10 minutes. Uh, and it's amazing that they actually got some of his stuff recorded at that time. Right. And I remember everybody hated him at first when he uh, came uh, around the scene. You're absolutely right. That was uh, He had a bad reputation. He was like a heavy drinker. And Hitting he, on he, people's he, wives. Yeah, you know. yeah. Well, that's how he ended up getting killed. That's right. Somebody uh, sun, poisoned him. I think it was Sun Seals. Somebody warned him. Warned him. Yeah. That, you know, you need to watch yourself. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, that's what happened. But he, you know, basically created the sound that is now prevalent in blues and rock. I mean, you know, he came up with that, the whole guitar riff kind of thing. Yep. And, um, you know, all those guys following him and everything. Just like Little Walter did for the harmonica. He was the first harmonica player at the time that amplified his harmonica. Is that right? Uh, he, you know, he took a microphone and hooked it up to an amplifier. And at that time... Nobody was doing that. It was all, you know, Just talking loud on a regular microphone. So yeah. he took it to another level and he progressed the harmonica. And if it wasn't for little Walter, you would have amplified harmonica with a, a you know, a, an amplifier. Yeah. So, you know, it's another one. He was, they said he's the, one of the pioneers. You know, what's kind of interesting is that the, you know, at least the acoustic guitar is basically the same as it's always been. And then, you know, and then they came out with the electric guitar, but that hasn't changed significantly. It, you know, the electronics right. in it, everyone wants to have, you know, the tube sound from an amp. So the amps haven't changed that significantly. That's funny. When I first started playing harmonica, when I, at the time I was trying to f 
get the sound that I would hear off the record. So I, I, I bought like 20 different harmonicas and I still didn't get it. And I got all these stupid amps thinking that would help me get the sound that, that would help me play better. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't, man. It was just what I had to do to, right. to practice right. it, you know. And now I'd rather play uh, harmonica uh, on a mic, regular microphone than an amplified harp. I just, yeah. You know, it's just weird how things turn out, you know. Right. Um, so but, the amplification has has evolved to be you know better and the recording ability and the replayability but the underlying instruments really haven't changed significantly for over 100 years probably yeah uh we were talking about your singing before and um you got a couple songs where uh you did do singing so is this why get up is that one of the ones that you sang on yeah, on that on that CD, that was the only track that uh, uh, I felt comfortable singing. Like I said, when I record a CD, I want to get all my friends to record on it. And uh, you know, when I make a CD, you know, I want to uh, be able to just put it on at the gym or something and just listen to my friends sing. I don't want to hear myself sing, <laughs> right. you know. But uh, yeah, I, this is one of the CDs where I added. Uh, uh, I actually recorded vocally on it, and I and I actually uh, I think it turned out okay. You know, just okay. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds pretty good. Let's let's check it out. And uh, this is off of the Just Right album from 2000. Oh man. Uh, anyway, uh, it's a uh, it's a while ago. <laughs> and this is a, uh, a the Fabulous Thunderbirds uh, cover tune. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Why get up? Why get up? Get up. This whole world. 
All right. That was Dan Beaver uh, with the uh, Why Get Up from uh, Fabulous Thunderbirds. And that's off of Dan's, um, what did we decide? That was off of your... Just uh, Right. Uh, just Right Up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Good one. Dan, great. What a pleasure having you on the show, and best of luck with all these different endeavors. You know, you got the music, you got the acting, and, uh, you know, it's all just happening. And I bartend. And you're a bartender, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, thanks uh, again. Uh, thanks, thanks for the time, man. I, 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 maybe next time I'll uh, bring a guitar player in here. Maybe we can do some stuff for you. Awesome. Great. All right. Uh, this is Johnny Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman. I've been here with Dan Beaver. And uh, you're now listening to us through our podcast, Johnny's Secret Stash, available through Podbean or what used to be iTunes. Now it's just called Apple Podcast, I think. Um, we're also on WRHC, Radio Harbor Country, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, and WRHZ, 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Good night, everybody. <laughs>